I know all of our hearts are uh, heavy today. We have mixed emotions, of course, when a saint of God crosses over. For them, their journey is over, their battle is finished, their race is run. But it certainly affects us that are left behind. But aren't you grateful that the Lord helps us in the time of such stress and trouble? What do people do without him in their lives? I guess drink and dope and do all that sort of thing. Thank God for peace today to to help us. A couple of scriptures we'd like to read this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, and then also in chapter 4, verse 18. Before we read this, I want to give you the setting of, uh, of this book of Timothy. This is actually Paul's last letter. It was written while he was in Rome in prison. He's awaiting his trial, which will be an imminent verdict of death. There's no hope for him to be able to live. He knows that. So he's writing some of his last words that would ever uh, be read. And he addresses it to Timothy, which I find pretty amazing. So he knows that he's fixing to leave and he wants to impart something to a man that he feels is capable and worthy to be able to take some of these things and spread them uh, to, to other people. Notice in chapter 1, verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Brother, sister, we don't want a religion that we can just live by. We want one we can die by. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So when I'm going to stand before God, Paul says, I know that I can trust him with what I've committed to him against that day. Second Timothy 4.18, and the Lord shall deliver me from every work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Isn't it amazing how we look at deliverance and it can come in so many different ways. He believed God was going to deliver him. Whether or not he knew exactly the time, how long it was going to be, we don't know. But, you know, people look at sometimes sickness and disease and they think, well, sister so-and-so lost the battle of cancer. Brother so-and-so lost the battle of this or that. No, they didn't. If they're a child of God, you cannot lose. You are a winner either way. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I may like to be remembered today as we approach the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that we're able to come to church today. 
how we love church, how we love one another and love your presence. Carol said it as we were coming. I'm so glad that we can go to church today where we can receive strength. We thank you, Lord, that your present help to us. And Father, we thank you that you're so mindful of us. The things that hit us in life to us can be so surprising, so devastating, so saddening. Sometimes we just don't know what to make of it all, really. But we're so grateful that none of these things take you by surprise. You knew they would happen. So therefore, you will provide for us the strength, whatever we need to face the journey. So we ask you today, you'd help each of us. You saw the many hands that were uplifted. Now, Father, signifying needs, requests. Lord, we know the needs of your people are so many around the world. But we believe that you're a mighty God and you're concerned about what concerns us. So help us today. Father, you see that our hearts are saddened, Lord, by a couple of more within a week's time frame that have been taken from us. But Lord Jesus, we believe that they also know whom and whom they had believed and they had committed their sacred charge into your trust. So help us today, would you, Lord? We know that you loved us so much. You came to the earth to feel our feelings. We know, Father, that when you stood at the grave of Lazarus that day, you knew within a few moments you would raise him from the dead but you allowed yourself to feel human sympathy and the losing of a loved one. So you allowed yourself to cry. The prophet tells us of all the human emotions, crying was the one you expressed the most. You are not a shouter. You are not a jumper. You are not a screamer. You were a crier. And yet we today look at people who cry and think they're not very spiritual. But we know of all the human emotions, that was the one you expressed the most. Thank you for crying. Thank you for feeling our needs. So when we go through things like this, we know we have a high priest that can be touched for the feelings of our infirmities. Would you come by and just lift our spirits for a bit, Lord, so we can receive strength today from your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I'd like to speak to you for just a little bit today on the absolute. To us as message followers, the term absolute means something more than most church people. It would mean more than probably seminaries and theological studies would be able to provide to their people because our prophet mentioned it so many times. You can understand why in the way that he laid the foundation of the necessity of an absolute why Satan would want to twist, really, what an absolute is. 
Now, I want you to listen to me carefully today so you don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. I believe that there is an internal absolute, and then there also are things on the outside that are absolutes. One of the grave mistakes that many make is that they try to make the external absolute replace the internal one. Now, Paul, we know a little bit about his background and what kind of a man he was before he became converted. There's no question that the Lord did a great change in this man's life. And I wonder if we really relate to how Paul related to this change. Now, for many, they want to make, say, a book to be their absolute. Many make a church, an organization, a, a pope, a bishop, their pastor, their mother, their grandmother, whatever more. And to most of us, we would resent that for people to do that because Satan has come a little bit closer to us to try to warp our understanding of what an absolute really is. Now, I want you to listen. Now, these words are not going to be my own. When Brother Branham preaches this, and he, he preaches it multiple times, but when he preaches it in Jeffersonville in 1962, it was the, the morning service of December the 30th. And he said, those who treat creeds and traditions as tied to, and he said, with doctrine of men to disqualify God's word to being the same yesterday, today, and forever, they need an absolute, an experience of meeting on a Damascus road. Now, we all know that we are going through times like we've never been before, not only we, but the world, many churches around the world, many believers around the world, but it's not just even those of us who believe that this message is sent from the presence of God, but it's a national strife. It's a political strife. It's across every spectrum, spectrum of the human life. But to us, we believe that it has a unique specialness about it. Notice this, they need an absolute, and he identifies the absolute that people needs as an experience and not just a book. An experience and not just a tape. An experience and not just a doctrine or a belief, but actually an experience with God. And he identifies it as a meeting on a Damascus road. The living God who can heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils, a genuine absolute. Now he says Paul knew that something happened and there was no one could take it away from him. Nothing else mattered. He was tied And it was that, notice now, no matter what come, he knowed he was tied, and this is what he was tied to, a Christ-centered life. 
Now remember the Bible, the New Testament, was not yet written. Paul was still writing some of the things that he was going to make his contribution to the New Testament. John had written some. The book of Revelation had not even been written when Paul died. So much of the compilation of the New Testament was non-existent. So now think if the New Testament was going to be their absolute. Listen carefully now so you don't misunderstand me. Their absolute in the New Testament Christianity was not just the written word, but it was a new birth. This is actually what helped tie them to the tie post of God. Now, you see, those who think because they quote the word and memorize the word, we have all been to places in our life when we would search for a scripture or a quote that would give us the perfect answer or the perfect direction for where we have to go. And if you'll be honest, you'll have to say sometimes you found it and sometimes you did. So what if your absolute and your tie post would have been on the perfect quote, the perfect scripture that gave you the exact explanation of why God let this and this and this happen. So what happens to people then who cannot find that perfect scripture and that perfect quote and they really don't have the absolute, they turn away. Because to them, the way they are looking at it, there ought to be an intellectual answer in the pages of the Bible or in the pages of the message, then when they ask why, they ought to be able to do a search or flip through the scriptures and find it. This is why, friends, that many people in the time of trouble will turn away. It's amazing how many people will change churches just when trouble hits a church. They get scared. You know why they get scared? They're afraid they might be the next one. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know how the rest of you all feel, but I'm going to stick with this church until God tells me to leave otherwise. Trouble ain't running me away from this church. Heartache, difficulty, because God sent me here, and I'm saying until God tells me to go elsewhere. Trouble ain't running me off from Christianity. Trouble ain't running me off from the message of the hour. I believe it now greater than I've ever believed it before. Now listen so you can get a little understanding of the direction that we wish to go this morning. No matter what come, he knowed he was tied, Christ-centered life. No matter what your experience is then, if something in you tells you that the Bible isn't true, the power of God, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and the gifts of the Spirit just isn't the same as it was when it flowed through them apostles at Pentecost, there's something wrong with your absolute. Is that right? Oh, now, when you become like Paul, 
have the absolute that he had. Now listen what Paul's absolute was. A Christ-centered life. A Christ-centered life is a different life than what you once had. And it might be a very religious life that you live. But I'll tell you, friend, when you get ready to cross over, it'll take more than a religious life. It's gonna take a Christ-centered one. Oh my. And when you get this Christ-centered life, it makes you do things you wouldn't do. So it changes you. It totally makes you a different person. Now you see what Satan wants to do is if he can get us to where, well, I went to the altar and I shouted and I, I felt God and we believe that, yes. I accept the message of the hour, yes, we believe that. But your absolute must be something that is not just a book that you stuff under your arm or just a tape that you go or a pastor or an assembly that you go to. But first of all, you must have the absolute which begins within you a regeneration of your old nature. A changing, now this was Paul's episode. Remember, Paul did not have the book of Revelation to where the seven promises to the overcomers were given. The New Testament church did not have that. Think, many of the New Testament believers never got to read 1st and 2nd Corinthians. They never had Philippians. They never had 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. They never had 1st and 2nd Timothy. They never had the book of Jude. They never had the book of Hebrews. They only had sporadic things from what was handed about from one to the other. How in the world did they make it? How did they make it? Because they wanted to establish in those believers that the absolute started here. Then every book they got from Paul or John or Timothy or Titus or Philemon, whoever it was, that was in them identified with what they read. But many try to approach the message from up here and they try to figure it out and reason. And then they're absolute, oh, I believe this message with all my heart. Don't you understand why? That in the last several years, we've had several to turn away. Why is that? It's because they put their confidence and their hope and many of them in a fictitious imagination of what they thought a prophet was. They thought that a prophet could not misquote scriptures. They thought that a prophet could not say the right dates. Well, come on, don't get quiet on me. They thought that everything that went out of a prophet's mouth was thus saith the Lord. He never taught us that. The Bible never taught us that. But that's why many people believe them. When they begin to see the human side in there, which the prophet said was there, then what did they do? Oh, I can't follow this no more. What does it prove? Their absolute was not down in here first. You see, if it begins in you, then when situations arise that you simply do not understand. Let me be honest with you this morning as your pastor. I don't understand where we are. I've never been this way before. I've never had to do so many funerals. We've never lost so many so close together. Do I understand it? I don't. Do I like it? I don't. But I've learned when I don't understand his will, I can still trust his heart. 
do I understand why God would take people that seemingly to us still we need them? And you know, I, I look as I stood down there with my little buddy the other day, Brother Tim, and I saw him grieving and his children and grandchildren. Your sister Karen, you know, you think certainly not an old sister, and we would think had so many more years left in life, so much more to give. But yet God's plan is so different than ours. How many have we seen and we thought it wasn't that they had, you know, they'd reached a three score and 10 and they were totally done with life and we think, but God, we still need them so much. And how is it that God will allow such to come our way? I don't know. I don't understand why he does, but I know this about my father. He makes absolutely no mistakes. He does not have to clue me in on why he does it. He simply asks me and you to believe him and trust him even when our mind cannot comprehend it, when our perception is gone. Oh, friend, because God absolutely is perfect. And the church said, you imagine here that Paul had been able to get this absolute. Notice, Brother Ann goes on to say that when you get this Christ-centered life, it makes you do things ordinarily you wouldn't. It makes you act different than ordinarily you would act. I don't mean act silly. I mean act in the spirit, something that's real, something that's genuine. When somebody see you acting silly, they know you're only putting on something. So we don't want to do something just to say, well, I've got to be different. Don't make yourself different. Let God make you different. But notice this, the absolute to the Christian, it's like the anchor in the ship. And when you have an absolute, and if Christ is your absolute, it's like the anchor. Now notice how he likens this, the sea is very rough and the ship is about ready to sink. And you only hope you have is cast anchor. And then if the ship is tossing and the anchor will hold the ship. Now somebody might look at that anchor and say, why in the world do you need an anchor so big? It weighs so much and it is so heavy. Don't that load you down? Don't that worry you? You see, this is the way people look at us and think, you really don't have to do that. You don't have to dress this way. You don't have to do that. They're measuring and weighing your anchor. And they're trying to tell you the size anchor you need. Well, you see, I figure most of us are not engineers, and we really wouldn't know how big of an anchor that, you know, how many ever ship that we'd say, the Titanic or whatever more, and the engineers would have to design that anchor according to the weight of the ship and the amount of pressure that would be upon the sides. So let's be honest, you and I really don't know how big of an anchor we need in the storms of life because we don't know how big the storms of life are gonna be. I'm glad I don't have foresight into the future because I probably sometimes would hide my head in the sand and say, Lord, I just can't take it no more. But I know my Father knows how big of an anchor that I need. Come on, Happy Valley. I believe our Father knows how big of an anchor we need as an assembly, how big of an anchor we need, Brother Jim, as individuals, and he will design our anchor according to the storms of life 
that he and his wisdom allow to come our way. So no matter how big it may seem, it may seem so unsightly, Brother John, it may seem excessive to others, but I really don't care if the designer give us an anchor this big and he put it here upon our hearts, apparently we need this anchor. Oh my, don't you understand them first century Christians? They did not need an anchor the size we need today. You say, you give us so much, why are you doing it? Because we need a big anchor. We need an anchor bigger now than we did 34 years ago when I came here. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago. We need an anchor that is so substantial. Oh my, we don't need to pray less, we need to pray more. We don't need to come to church less. I think we need to assemble ourselves, read our Bible, be with one another because there is where our source of strength is. Notice he said, when the storms get heavy and they're pitching about, I'm glad. I've got an anchor that holds, oh my, within the veil yonder somewhere. Even death itself cannot pluck you away from it. You are tied to your absolute Christ is our anchor. Brother Donnie, are you saying the message is not our absolute? I never said any such thing. What I'm saying is you better have Christ as your absolute in your soul than Christ in your soul will say amen to these books and tapes that you're listening to and hearing. Watch this, the prophet was talking about Germany and how that they had listened to Hitler and Hitler was their absolute. Now, I want you to listen to this, how he contrasts this now with believers. And if your absolute is in some organization or some sensation or something else besides the person, the person of Jesus Christ, you'll come to the same portion of shame. Can you imagine comparing Christians coming to the same portion of shame that the country of Germany came to by following Adolf Hitler. It's not enough to stuff the memory in our head and fill it full of the message. It's not enough to memorize scriptures and quotes. We must have Christ, the absolute, in the soul. Oh, notice you'll come to the same portion of shame only worse. I've talked to some of the German brothers and sisters. And most of the ones I've talked to, of course, they were not in the time of the Nazi regime. But some of their parents were. And their grandparents. And having talked to them and listened to their side of the story of how what happened to them was such a shame and such a reproach and what it still bears upon them. You imagine then a person who makes their absolute some preacher, or makes their absolute some church, or an emotion, or a sensation. You'll be more embarrassed than an embarrassed German. Oh my. See, if your absolute is not Christ, Now friends, this is why as a preacher, as a minister of the gospel, I don't mind telling you, it upsets me to my very soul when I hear it projected that a tape or a book 
or a seminary experience or a doctrine is supposed to be your soul absolute instead of Jesus Christ. Don't you understand what the devil's trying to do in our ranks? He's trying his best to replace that soul absolute of the new birth with a mental conception of this message. And it will not tie us in the time of storm. If you're absolute, this is the man who preached the absolute. Surely he ought to know. If your absolute is not Christ, that's the only center post of the human life and Christ is the word, not your church, your word, the word. Oh my, upon this absolute I will build my church and upon Christ the word. You Protestants, don't take this or that or the other. You go to that absolute that you're anchored there by what? The new birth being born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. And you see the Bible being manifested in humility and love through your life. Oh, then that's your absolute. But Brother Donnie, well, what about the message? If you get this, it'll lead you straight to the message. You cannot have the Holy Ghost inside of your soul and deny this message. Notice that's why I know the Holy Spirit is my compass that guides me. Oh, the one thing I love about Brother Branham, he was so honest. He is the one that makes me know this word is true. He is my absolute. He is my sunshine. He is my life. He's my anchor when troubles are on. He's my north star when I'm lost. Now here is a prophet of God that had been serving the Lord Jesus most of his entire life. Had had the baptism of the Holy Ghost for years. Was a prophet, a true believer of the word. But yet, Brother Joel, he confesses to us that there was times and the storms of life that he got lost. He ain't talking about his soul being lost. He's just talking about things that are going on and you're turned around and you don't know what to do and you're looking for an answer and you're looking for this. Oh, thank God for the honesty of a prophet. This is what I love about this message. I know a lot of folks don't like to hear the human side of Brother Brown. I love hearing that human side. I love hearing that side because I believe we can take great instruction, Brother John, in the hour they're living. So sometimes we get lost too. We don't know which way to go. We don't know what to do. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to take my compass and point it toward that North Star. When my troubles are on, he's my North Star. When I'm lost, the Holy Spirit is my compass that guides me back to the place. So Brother Random got lost just in the storms of life. What do I do here? What do I go? Which way do I go? He said, many of you come to me asking God to show you where your keys are and this and that. And he said, the Lord will tell you, well, you dropped your keys here or you left them over there. He said, but I'm sitting here this morning as an orphan. There's decisions I've got to make and I don't know how to make them. And I don't know which way to go, which way to turn. He said, why? Because the gift is for you and not for me. Imagine God showing people where their car keys were, where their house keys were. 
And here was a prophet making decisions that not only would affect him, but would affect us. And the Lord was letting him sit there as an orphan of not knowing which way to go. There again, my brother, sister, whenever you come to them spots and you can't find a quote and you cannot find a scripture, you better have that absolute tide in your soul. Do you honestly think when Brother Branham was looking for answers that he sat down and opened up one of his own books? Do you think Brother Branham studied his own sermons to find answers for? Look at Paul in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Five times this man was beaten with 39 stripes. Now this is the resume of the first church age messenger. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. Remember the book of Acts when the oracle dawn hit them? And after 14 days, Eurachlodon means a hurricane wind. So here was a prophet of God out on a boat in a journey and a hurricane hit him. And he sought God and prayed. Where did he find the scripture? Where did he find a quote? But he had an absolute within him. You see, if all our battles are only fought by our, our ebook or our, you know, our, our iPhone, having the Bible on our iPhone, then Satan will get you out one day without your iPhone and you'll be in a mess of trouble. But brother, sister, if you've got the absolute down inside of your soul and you don't have your laptop on you, you don't have your phone on you and your memory just seems to escape you, you know what you've got? You've got Christ Jesus down on the inside of you and you may not be able to remember a scripture, you may not be able to remember a quote, but all of a sudden something from down inside of you rises up and said, child, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Who is it? You're absolute. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water. Perils of robbers. Perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst. Now we're not talking about just you getting hunger after church is over, but days with no food, days without water. Forgive me for complaining, Lord. Do you think Paul was loved less than you? Have any of you been hungry? As I said, I'm not talking about between meals. I'm talking about without days without food. I have. I've been poor before, believe me. 
I've been without food. Uh-huh. It's not a good feeling. In famine, in thirst. And who is this? A prophet of God. Wonder if he'd turn in a resume in this modern day to many churches, and this is what he included. Would Happy Valley vote him in? Or would you say, that guy's got a terrible reputation? You think I'm hated? <laughs> I'm a boy scout compared to this fellow, what he went to. What was his absolute, a Christ-centered life? You see, we are reading what he read, and we are now taking it as scriptures. But this was not written when he was going through it. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Now wait a minute, I thought David said, I once was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. But here Paul was not only hungry, but he was cold. So he writes to Timothy and tells him, he said, whenever you come up, be sure and bring my coat because I ain't got but one and I forgot it down there. Man, it's cold up here. Paul, the prophet of God, cold? Lord Jesus. What was his absolute? A Christ-centered life. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I love the way Brother Ram deals with this. He said, Paul's conversion was a paradox and became his absolute. Friends, don't you see why Satan is trying his best to slip right among us and convince us that Brother Ram's words on a book ought to be the absolute of your soul. No, false doctrine, error. If Christ Jesus is not your absolute, you'll never stem the tide in this hour. You'll never hold on. You'll never be able to make it. You'll never be able to withstand the pressure that's gonna come against the bride in the last day. But if Christ is your absolute in your soul, let people come and go. Let them do what they will. Oh my, but the bride will be standing. So Paul's conversion became his absolute. Notice this again. Now Paul had a Christ-centered life. That was Christ was Paul's absolute. What's wrong with you and I having the exact same absolute, Brother Wayne? What's wrong with us having what? What was Brother Bram's absolute? Christ. Oh, you say, but Brother Donnie, you said the word was. That's exactly right. And you're looking at that which is outside. I'm talking about that which is inside. But that which was inside led him to that which was outside. The reason he had this Christ-centered life is because he personally, now laying aside his teaching, laying aside his teaching, he personally met. 
Christ. Now, Paul here, as we see, he had an absolute that he held to all of his life after his conversion. And that was a Christ-centered life. And what a place to have an absolute. Can you imagine a man being so in love with the Lord Jesus and Christ, so centered in his life? Being a Roman citizen, they could not crucify him. Being a Roman citizen, there's certain things they could and could not do. But one thing, being a Roman citizen was inevitable. Death penalty for you was this. How could he lay his head down on that chop block and not squirm and wiggle and quiver? His absolute held. His head, his brain, his intelligence, his intellect separated from the rest of his body. So it was not his mind. His head rolled off. What was his absolute? A Christ-centered life. Oh, no, I'm not preaching something to most of you here today that you do not have. I just simply felt led of the Lord to remind you about it. Hallelujah. What a place to have an absolute, a Christ-centered life. It was a different life than when he had lived at one time. For he said, the life that I now live, which was a different than what he had lived before. And Christ, no, he keeps saying this over. I think, oh, I went through it this week. I thought, Lord, how, how, how have we missed this? How have we allowed false doctrine to come and take the very message that the prophet of God preached it in and allow substitutes to come in and convince people if they simply believe God sent a prophet, that's their absolute. Paul had a Christ-centered life. It was a different life than he once had. He once had an educational conception, but he now has got a Christ-centered life, an absolute. No matter how much Agrippa could say, you have gone crazy, Paul. You've lost your mind. You've studied too much. He said, I'm not mad. And he got onto Agrippa to such a way till he said, thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. So to go from accusing a man to being crazy to say, I almost want to be like you. (laughs) Praise God. Now if you in your life have an absolute, you do things ordinarily you would not do, especially if you have a God-centered life. God-centered life makes a person do things that ordinarily they would not do. Very odd, peculiar. Why is a Christian life so odd and peculiar? It's because that they are looking to God's word, which is almost foreign. If it was foreign then, how much more foreign is it today? And why carry this excess weight of this great mighty anchor? Y'all, y'all are... You're too religious. Y'all just get, 
You know, why are y'all tore up about not being able to go to church? How come you think you got to dress this way and you got to do that? What difference does it make? Why God just lets us be any way we want to? Why God don't care if women wear pants or God don't care if women, you know, cut their hair and men have long hair? What, what God don't care about that? Oh, but he does. Oh, that's really irrelevant. It may be irrelevant to you, but it's not irrelevant to our ship. To our ship, it's part of who we are. You see, part of who we are is reflected by the identity that we embrace in his word. And if the absolute starts within your soul, then the absolute for every day that the believers live would identify and catch itself to that revealed word of the hour, which become the anchor of the soul. Oh my, but you see when the storms come, the raging storms that rip up into the sea could throw the vessel into the bank somewhere and crash it or turn it over in the shallow waters it goes into the deep water and let down the great huge anchor that's so fixed till it'll drag on the bottom of the sea until it hooks to the top of some unseen mountain. So here we are. We're rocking. Ooh, I can't do this long because I still don't feel good in my head. <laughs> but we're still rocking. We're rocking. Our, our front of our boat is going down and the back is taking in water. And we're going from side to side. And we've done let out the stabilizers and we've, we've allowed them to bend to 15 degrees because that's the way we need to stabilize us. And already we're thinking, oh Lord, what's going on? What's going on? And quickly we're letting the anchor go. Go, go. 100 feet, 200 feet, 500 feet, 600 feet. And all of a sudden, What did it hit? Something unseen. The eye can't see what it hit, but it grabbed a hold to the top of the rock on the mountain down in the bottom of the sea. Hallelujah. About the time we thought we were going to sink. About the time we thought we can't go no further. We're going to capsize. But we let Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10. Hallelujah. All the other great things that make up our anchor. And it was going, going, dropping, dropping. The bubbles, were, the bubbles were coming up to the top of the ocean. And we were standing there praying, will it hold? Will it hold? And it... And we look around and say, that was close. I thought we was goners. But the anchor held. Then let the storms rage if they want to. I've got an absolute. The anchor holds somewhere yonder. But it's tight. As the ship and the waves whip around the ship, it's got an absolute because it's tight. And that's the way that a man is when he's tied to Christ and to his word and believes it. There's an absolute there, something that holds him. And if Christ is your absolute, you're tied to him in that manner no matter what anybody says. How hard the persecution gets, how bad the storm seems to be, how it looks impossible for it to happen. If something has happened in you, thank you, Jesus. Christ becomes your absolute or any promise 
in the Bible becomes your absolute. My precious friends, as I stood at the foot of the beds of our brother Jim Babb the other day, no movement, no batting of the eyes, no nothing. And I watched as they begin to unhook this and take that off and something else off. His eyes had been almost closed. Saw just a sliver of his eye on Wednesday when I was there. But not too long. Not too long. Before his soul went away, I saw both of his eyes as they went from this to this. Looking straight ahead at something or someone. Why? He had an absolute. He laid there for a bit and his eyes went back closed together again. The nurse said he won't be long, he won't be gone. Here it went again, his eyes, wide open. I patted him on the feet. I saw his eye move a little bit. Close. Back open. You think, Lord, what are they seeing? What are they viewing? I'm so glad it was not a demon. I'm so glad he didn't hear chains rattling and demons coming for his soul. Brother Jim Babb, as many of our other saints, may it Christ Jesus and his absolute was a man. His absolute was a man. The man, Christ Jesus. But if you just take the real absolute Christ, anchor yourself in that, don't make no difference what comes or goes, you're still anchored. If Christ is your absolute, you are tied to him in the time of trouble. The ship, if you let it rock, it'll break against the rocks. That when they do, they drop the anchor. The anchor drags until it snags onto the rock foundation and the ship is tied to the anchor. It's the absolute for the ship and a born again Christian is tied to Christ and the Bible is the anchor. Let me close. Listen to this in Victory Day. It seems like the Christian life, if the fellow is not absolutely centered on Christ, the Christian life seems like it holds so many disappointments. But those disappointments are God's divine will happening for us. How can we ever believe that? If you're only following it from here, many people turn away because they cannot figure out how can it be God's will to take a child? How can it be God's will to take a man's wife or a wife's husband when she needs him so desperately? So the mind cannot comprehend it. The mind cannot make it fit. So their heart, which is absolute, held by someone else, 
they turn away. But a person who has Christ, the absolute, in their heart, when their mind says, how can this be? And you say, God loved you. You prayed and prayed and prayed, God heal this one. Why didn't God heal your husband? Or why didn't God heal your wife? Well, I don't know. But all I know is my absolute is holding me. I am not holding it. It is holding me. Notice this, the prophet said, but those disappointments are God's divine will happening to us. Now it don't seem like it would be that, but it's God's way of doing things. He lets us hit the river to see what we will do. I'll never forget one time when I was still down in Kentucky pastoring the church there. I was going through what I thought at the time just seemed like devastating trials. Man, I wish I had that same degree of trials today. I look back and I realize, man, that wasn't nothing. But it sure seemed like a big load at the time. Brother Charlie Cox was having some meetings over at his place and Brother George Bertram he come to our church there. Many of you might remember him, but he, Brother Brandon refers to him, and uh, <clears throat> he went down to his place and stayed with him some and so on. But anyway, Brother George, he really loved me, and he knew that we was going through a real time, and so he wanted me to drive his car. So I was in the driver's seat, and Brother George is up front, and Carol, and, uh, maybe our girl's with us, and Sister Jeannie, his daughter-in-law. And as we were going down the road, we hadn't gone very far, and I noticed him, he kind of pushed in a tape and he turned it on. Well, after I listened to it, I knew it had been pre-planned, probably both by God and Brother George. Because <laughs> we love one another. I said, we love one another. And when we see one another hurting, we want to run to each other and just, isn't it amazing how our differences they don't seem to matter as much when we see each other hurting so bad. And this is where the tape started. It's Christ of Emily's own word, 822.65. Now the stabilizers has been put on the ship. Great fearful waves are out here before us, but we know just beyond the wave yonder, we're nearing the shore. We're nearing the shore. Just stay stable. Just stay in the word. Stay with God. No matter how you feel, what anything else, stay right with the word. Let, let, let it stay stable. When you see all these great old big clouds around us and storms coming and atomic bombs and everything else they're talking about, but our stabilizer is right straight in the word. God said it would be here. We'll crest every one of them. Now, when Brother Branham said this, my hand was laying on the console. Brother George had a Mercedes, and my, my hand, the console was there, so I just laid my hand there on the console as I was driving. And Brother George reached over and grabbed a hold of my hand and squeezed it real tight. He wanted to make sure I got that statement. And you know what? He was right. I've been gone from that church now for 34 years, and they've stormed and faced many a storm. And they're still going. Maybe, I hope, maybe the winter of this storm is fixing to pass. 
I hope the sound of the turtle dove is going to be heard among us soon. Maybe we're heading for some smoother waters and the storms will start breaking up and the clouds will go away. If not this week, maybe next week or maybe the next, but we will crest every wave. Yes, indeed. They, they can't sink us. They can't drown us. You put us in the grave. We'll come out again. That's just all there is to it. There ain't no way in the world to keep it down there. We'll crest every one of them because our great chief captain is calling at the other side. Whatever it might be, let it come. What may, what will, doesn't make any difference. We're anchored right there in Jesus. If I live, I live to the glory of God. If I die, I die to the glory of God. I just want it to the glory of God. That's what I want to do. When it's all over, I don't want to stay any longer. And I want to go to my reward (laughs) that he's bought for me. Not what I earned, but what he bought for me. What he gives me by his grace. There's one text that I sent to Brother Jim Babb quite often. Because Brother Jimmy done so much for the church, for people around the world. My, for me. And uh, I tell him, I want to be standing near that day when the Lord Jesus calls your name. Sister Linda slips her arm in yours and you walk up there and he goes to giving you your reward. Brother Jimmy, you know how it was. <laughs> oh, Brother Donnie, I ain't never done nothing. I ain't never done nothing. I just hope I'm there when you get your reward. But our brother is going on. Let me close with this quote here. It's to me so wonderful. Now you take a grain of wheat, a pretty grain of wheat, but it can do nothing. It's dead until the germ comes into it. Then it produces many grains of wheat and Christ is that life, that absolute. If that wheat doesn't have that absolute in it, it'll never rise. If that wheat don't have that absolute, may be ever so pretty on the outside, but it cannot live because there's nothing in it to live by. But when it gets that absolute, it can look in the face of all critics and say, I'll rise again. Brother Jerry Glenn, Sister Naomi, Brother Daniel, all those others, my even those that's passing years behind us. Hallelujah. Some of their bodies laying over here, some laying in Kingsport, laying in different places. Brother Alan McKinney, glory to God, he could look death in the face and say, I'll rise again. Why? 
They didn't have the absolute up here. It wasn't on a SIM card. It was in their soul. Then that absolute in their soul wanted to feed on that book, wanted to feed on that tape, wanted to feed on the ministry of God-given men. My friends, don't you let anybody, even me, if I go start raving mad and lose my mind and try to tell you that your absolute is a tape somewhere or your absolute is some book or some preacher, you just, well, no, he's, 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 he's nuts. Your absolute needs to be Christ Jesus. That's the way you'll face the storms of life. When you look and you look and you exhaust your ability to find a scripture that will answer you and it seems like it evades you. Don't you understand why he did it that way? He's not give a scripture for everything he goes through in life. Brother Jimmy, when we get there sometimes, he didn't want it to must be a scripture. He wanted to be a private prayer meeting with him that we can go and in that private meeting, we meet our absolute. (laughs) But when it gets that absolute, it can look in the face of all critics and say, I'll rise again, why? Because it's got the absolute, it's in it. It's got to rise again. Forgive me, I know I did a poor job today. (laughs) All these things, friends, they just, it just weighs on my heart, I'm sorry. Let's just pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, how we love you today. I'm so glad we have the absolute. We thank you for every book, every tape. We thank you for the prophet's message. I thank you for my Bible. I've got them laying in different parts of my house. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on discs. I've got it upstairs. I've got it downstairs. Lord God, I'm so grateful when I'm going through something and I search and I look, as I've done in the last few weeks, looking for scriptures, looking for quotes that would identify our situation and bring something to the people. I can feel the stress on their hearts. We can feel it when we assemble together here, Lord, the heaviness and the burdens of the people. I just find it amazing then, Lord, you just whispered this to me this week. I thank you for it. I was using my computer to find it. I was looking in the Bible and I was looking in the message. And then all of a sudden, you just spoke this to my heart. I thought, yeah, that's it. It's you. It's you, the absolute. Lord, we pray for all those that have had to part with a loved one. Lord Jesus, may you comfort them and help them. Whether it was COVID or whatever it was, Lord. We know you look at death so different than we do. We're just asking that you'd help us. We don't sorrow as others who have no hope. The reason we're shedding tears today is because of the loneliness in our hearts. We're not worrying about these saints that have gone on. 
As a matter of fact, there's a part of us that wishes it was us. Oh my goodness. What if, what if you, it must have been a little bit after one o'clock on Friday. And Brother Jimmy moved beyond, Lord, the curtain of time. This veil. Brother Cecil met him down there by the river. And there stood Brother Cecil, the same age as Jimmy. Maybe Brother Homer Arnold, Brother Daniel. We don't know who all it was. What a reunion. What a reunion. But Lord, that reunion has brought us such sadness. We need you today, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Bring comfort and peace, not only to our church, but Lord, around the world. So many have died because of this COVID thing. Ministers, pastors, evangelists. Dear God, visit your people. I can't imagine, Lord, my friend there in South Africa, Brother Stephen Francis. Lord, when Erica was sick, he texts me constantly checking on her. Now, Lord, he's gone. His church missing him, his family, COVID. You must have chose this time together, a bunch of your young ones up home. One by one, they're crossing the river. We're getting more over there than we've got here. Before long, it'll tip the scale and you'll say, go get the rest of them. <laughs> Let's have a big reunion. Lord Jesus, I've missed a lot of reunions, family reunions. Since I moved here years ago, only been to a couple of them, really. So I missed the Schultz side, I'm a mama side, I missed a bunch of the Reagan side, I'm a daddy side. But that's one reunion I don't want to miss. We'll go around greeting one another. And as we do here in family reunions, we'll all sit down together and we'll have a meal. Praise God after we meet one another. And we'll sit down at the table and you'll come out, take your great robe, wipe the tears out of our eyes and say, don't cry no more. Praise God. Then you'll set up at the head of the table and we'll eat the marriage supper of the Lamb. What a reunion, Lord. May there not be a one of us missing that day, Lord Jesus. But until that day arrives, give us strength. Give us courage. Help us when we get down and weary that we can talk to the absolute in our souls. You can talk back, Father. I thank you for my Bible. I thank you, Father, for the message. I thank you for the prophet's message. I study it nearly every day of my life. Lord, there's words that the prophet said that I've listened to him so much, I've got to memorize. I can say them exactly in the same tone that he said. But in times of trouble, I found out sometimes saying in the same tone, don't do it. 
But I'm so glad I've got you in my soul today, Jesus. Comfort your children, would you, Lord? We pray for Sister Linda today. For Scotty, Father, they're gone to make the arrangements, Lord, so we pray that you'd be with them. Alicia, Ashley, Courtney, Sister Judy, Sister Nola, Lord, Brother Jimmy's other family, us as church family. We love you, Father. We worship you today, Jesus. Thank you for this service. I'm not really sure what it meant to anybody else, but it has meant so much to me. Thank you, Father. Would you come back today before we go, Lord, as we worship you and sing just a little bit. May you just minister to every heart, Lord Jesus. We love you, Father. Sing something, Harry, whatever's on your heart. Lord Jesus, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Though the ship is battered, though it's battered, the anchor holds. Hallelujah. Though the sails are torn, oh Jesus, I
service today do you appreciate the word of the lord amen remember the service lord willing wednesday night i'm certain you'll be made aware of the the services for our brother jim as we go through this process we just we're glad we we're glad we have got an anchor amen just before we leave this morning why don't you turn around look at somebody and say god bless you my precious brother, sister. Brother Harry, can we sing that little song? We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. Sing it. God bless you. As we sing this, as you make preparations to leave today, God bless every one of you. Give the Lord one more good hand clap of praise. Worship at your throne. 